for the God that we serve, for the King that we have, and for the people that we belong to. Why don't you give somebody a high five? Tell them good morning or good afternoon. Tell them good morning anyway. I'm never going to get it. It's not. It's never going to change. Uh, I'm so glad that you guys are here. You can maybe seat it. Uh, a new movement today. I want to tell you that I'm excited um, for this for this particular week. Um, some of you know that I'm crazy enough to uh, to be in school right now. And for all you students, all you people in school right now, make a little bit of noise so I know who I'm talking to. Okay. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's that time, so trying to wrap things up and, and finish things. And I'm tired. And uh, after we've been traveling down to Nashville, Tennessee, and then we... Uh, family came and then we went down to uh, Huntsville, Alabama. Anybody ever heard of a school called Oakwood University? Yeah, I've got some Oakwoodites in here, a couple Oakwoodites. If you've been to Oakwood College, raise your hand. There's one in the back and there's one over there. A couple Oakwoodites in the room. Uh, Oakwood is a H, the only Adventist HBCU. HBCU means historically black college or university. And uh, Oakwood is one of those. And um, so we went down and we had a great time. Got to connect with some friends and some other pastors and build each other up. And uh, it's funny um, that they were telling me about our church. They were saying, oh, I love what you guys are doing. People were asking me about next steps. Uh, They were asking about all these things that we're doing. I just want you to know that uh, we're making an impact, not just in Washington State, but we are inspiring other churches and pastors all over the nation. So God is incredible. Amen. And I got some of my, one of the most moving things I thought uh, was on, uh, we missed it. They usually do it every year. Um, but they have a special prayer for all of the female pastors that are pastoring. And they had a special anointing and prayer service for them. And it was just so moving uh, to affirm our sisters in the gospel. Let me just make this very clear if anybody is wondering. I am 100%. Can you can you come up here, honey, real quick so they can see this? I should have worn the shirt. Um, for those who are know a little bit about some things happening in the denomination, this is my one of my friend's T-shirts he designed. I am 100% non-compliant. <laughs> Amen. And I and I believe I believe in the sisters preaching. Amen. I believe in the sisters being ordained. And uh, I believe that 100%. And I look forward to the day when we will have uh, a, a lead female pastor one of these days at one of our campuses somewhere in the world. It might even be Becky Ortiz. Somebody ought to say amen. I'm just saying. Yeah. And it's also special, too, as some of you in my small group know. Shout out to my small group. By the way, next week is the last uh, small group. And can we just say for those who had the opportunity and privilege to participate in small groups, can we just thank God for that? It was phenomenal. Was it phenomenal? I love my group. And uh, some of you knew that uh, I was having someone come. And I just thought I would bring up the one I talk about so much. And I think next uh, week we'll have a little conversation on stage. But I think it's important to honor uh, the one who I have mentioned several times about a divine interruption. 
and that is none other than my mother, the queen, Elizabeth. This is a real name, Elizabeth Ann Taylor class. Mom, could you just come up and just wave? Just come on up. Just, I won't make you preach. Take a big step here. This is my mama, y'all. Y'all better, this is my mama, y'all. Yeah. Mama's here. Amen. So, mama's here, so she'll straighten me out and get me in shape. And I think we'll have a little conversation. She's going to visit my small group on Wednesday. And uh, we'll have a little talk next week. We've been talking, you know, we talk about freedom and forgiveness and wholeness and all the things that um, are important for families to experience. And you have a lot of wisdom. She was Ayanna Van Zant before she, before she came to the scene. And she's been through a lot. She's seen a lot. We've been through a lot. And uh, I just think there's something powerful uh, about healing. And I've talked a lot about my, my father and that journey and uh, where we are with that. So I just thought I would introduce her up here. You don't want to say nothing? You want to just say good morning or something? No, I just want to preach. You want to preach? I do, I do want to say something, though, anytime get the mic. But anyway, um, as I came in today, this is my first time experiencing a new movement. And I was sitting there, no one else was here. And it, it was just it was such a blessing to know that you can come to a place and cast all your cares and know that, um, you know, God will just remove that. You know, I was just sitting here in awe and just worshiping to myself I mean worshiping to God but just sitting here thinking about how peaceful this place is and how you have to create a place that you can cast your cares and know that you know God is going to uh take those things and cast them away you know and so I was sitting here just just being rejuvenated you know thinking about new movement and how God is just doing something really really awesome here and how you're just breaking all types of traditions you know casting those old traditions away and allowing God to move in the way that he wants to move. And so I'm so excited about being here, and I look forward to being here again next week. Amen. Amen. Why don't you just stay with me? Amen. Why don't you stay up here while we pray? Father, we're looking forward to what you're doing, and we can, we can celebrate and we can thank you for all that you've done uh, for a year. Uh, we've, been, we've been gracious to be close to celebrating one year. And uh, as we begin a new series today, the Advent message, I just pray today that it will speak to our hearts and that, Lord, we would remember the gift of Jesus. Thank you for this message today. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you too. So we are beginning a little two-part series called the Advent message. The Advent message. And we're going to break down... This particular uh, piece of scripture found in Matthew chapter 1. And I know this time of the year, a lot of people are preaching this story. And uh, for years, I've taught the story of Jesus for people maybe who haven't heard it, uh, maybe for the first time. But I want to just pull something um, from one, literally one particular text, two particular verses, but one passage. And it's found in Matthew chapter 1. So if you can find the book of Matthew, um, it's the first chapter, and we're going to read from verse 18, and I'll tell you what verses we're really going to, to land in. But beginning at verse 18, this is what the Bible says. This is how Jesus, the Messiah, was born. His mother Mary was engaged to be married to Joseph, 
But before the marriage took place, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant through the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, if that's not a complicated verse uh, to explain or to, to look at, it is one of the most complicated verses theologically to consider what the Bible is saying that Jesus was born Messiah. He was born with a purpose. He was born with a role. He was born on purpose. And I would venture to suggest that all of you were born somebody the somebody. That you weren't, you don't grow into that. You are born with that destiny. That God's intention for you, for who you are, is who he desired you to be. And that Mary was going to be, she was engaged. And something happened to jo- and jo- to Joseph. And before they got married, while she was still a virgin, she became pregnant by the Holy Spirit. Verse 19, Joseph, her fiance, was a good man. And he did not want to disgrace her publicly. So she deci- he decided to break the engagement quietly. Uh, this was back in the day when that would have been very disgraceful uh, to be pregnant uh, before the wedding, but also uh, to be pregnant, uh, to say that you were pregnant by God. I don't think anybody's pulled that off yet, but that would have been very, very disgraceful. As he considered this, he said, let me figure out a way to end this that will not shame her. And I think that's a good man. I think it's a good person to consider someone else's shame uh, when making a decision. So he says, I'm going to just have to do this quietly. An angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream. Joseph, son of David, the angel said, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child within her was conceived by the Holy Spirit. In other words, Joseph, it's true. It's okay. The story checks out. She really is still a virgin. She has not been with anyone. And she will have a son, and here's where we're going to land today, and you, somebody say you, you are to name him Jesus. It's not really your son in a way, Joseph. This child has come, my decision, but I want you to name him Jesus. I know he's not going to be Joseph Jr. He's not going to be something else. This is the name. You are to name him Jesus. Why? For he will save his people from their sins. All of this occurred to fulfill the Lord's message through his prophet. Look, the virgin will conceive of a child. She will give birth to a son and they will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. And you are to name him Jesus. So this is why this series is called the Advent message, because the word Advent means coming. This is the Advent season, which many believers and Christians celebrate the coming of Jesus. So the birth of Jesus into the world is the first Advent, the first coming of Jesus. And this coming of Jesus was a promise, a fulfillment that God made of the Messiah coming to earth. And so when Jesus was born, the announcement of Jesus to come is the first advent. 
The second advent is the second coming of Jesus. Jesus will come again. It's going to be the second advent of Jesus. Jesus is going to come and he is not needing to sneak onto the earth. There, he doesn't need to come in secret. He doesn't need to come more than once. He's coming. And when he comes, it's over. And for those who are waiting for him, that's good news. For those who are not waiting for him or expecting him, that's not so good news. But Jesus is coming again. The denomination that this church belongs to is Seventh-day Adventists. Which means we are Adventists in the sense we are waiting for the second coming of Jesus. We do not teach or believe in a rapture. Which means that Jesus would come and take some people and leave other people behind. We also do not teach that when you die, you go straight to heaven. Because if you died and went straight to heaven, there would be no reason for Jesus to come. Or that would say, people would say, well, he's just coming for those who are alive. No, the second advent of Jesus is significant. It's powerful. And so we are Adventists. We are Seventh-day Adventists because we also believe in the Seventh-day Sabbath. We believe in the seventh-day Sabbath, which means that the seventh day of the week is the Sabbath. Amen? So that makes us seventh-day Adventists, which means we are a people preparing ourselves and preparing the world for the second coming of Jesus. Y'all getting this, ain't you? So when we bring hope to the city, we are bringing hope in the fact that Jesus is coming again. And that is not in the context of fear. It's in the context of good news. Because here's the thing. Jesus wants to save you. And when we hear this name, Jesus, when Joseph was given this name, Jesus, from the root word Joshua or Yeshua, which means God saves. The purpose and the intention of Jesus is that he saves. It does not mean God scares. It means God's intention, his purpose, what he's trying to do is to save your narrow behind. Is anybody listening to me? So for us to reject salvation means we are working against God. Okay, I'll say it again. For us not to be saved means that we have decided to work against God because Jesus coming to the world in the first advent, the intention was for our salvation. I say this all the time. Salvation is God's decision. He decided to save us. We did not decide to be saved. He decided to be set to save us. And in order to save us, he is doing a work in us in the world And he is recruiting us on a rescue mission to save other people and to let other people know that he's coming again and that he's already come to save. 
Let me take you to Galatians chapter 4. Uh, this is a promise. You might want to turn to this if you're like one of those, you know, Bible um, students and you like saving stuff and you like looking up stuff later, later, this will be a good text. Galatians chapter 4, beginning at verse, uh, what is it? Uh, what did I have in here? Verse, verse 1 through 5, right? I'm trying to find it fast in my paper Bible. I got a little slow finding stuff in the paper Bible. There we go. Galatians chapter 4, here's what it says. Think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than slaves until they grow up, even though they actually own everything their father had. In other words, their inheritance really means nothing until until their father dies. They have to obey their guardians until they reach whatever age their father set. So you'll get the money at this age. And that's the way it was with us before Christ came. Now, you see that when Christ came, what word can you use now? Before the first advent, right? You guys are deep theological scholars. I love it. That's the way it was before the first advent, right? We are like children. We were slaves to basic principles of this world. But when the right time came, God sent his son, born of a woman, subject to the law. God sent him to buy freedom for us who were slaves to the law so that we could adopt, he could adopt us at his, as his very own children. Okay, so let's go back here. So before Jesus came, his coming was an inheritance. We were slaves, and we could not inherit it. But until the right time, Jesus came to bring the inheritance and the promise of salvation. And when he comes to the world as an infant, it is God fulfilling the promise that he would bring salvation. So the Advent message, the message that is in the first coming of Jesus is simply that God is going to keep his promise and bring us salvation. He has brought us the inheritance that we needed. He has given us access to eternal life. That is the message of the first advent. And so Jesus name means the Lord saves. God is going to save us. He will save But the interesting thing is, as Galatians says, that God says at the right time. At the right time. In other words, God knew when the right time to bring Jesus into the world, into the human experience was. God always knows what's best for us, and he always gives gives it to us at the right time. Because you can have the right thing at the wrong time and you'll mess it up okay I'm gonna be honest with you if I would have met Missy probably two or three years before I did any brothers know what I'm talking about in here okay can I get some help good thing wrong time right 
there, there's, there's certain seasons. If, if you would have gotten the, the finances and the credit score you have now, 20 years ago, maybe for some of you. Okay, but like this. If you would have started school five years earlier than you started now, some of y'all wouldn't have made it. Let's just be honest. But God knows the right time I'm going to send things. And so it's interesting because what I want to pull today is really this first part of Jesus' name. The fact that he calls Jesus, Jesus. Because as Joseph is hearing about this news, man, I got some news for you, bro. You're going you're gonna to be a baby daddy. It was like, wait a minute, I, I, didn't, I, didn't, I, didn't, I ain't got nothing to do with it. Like, no, man, yeah, you're going to be a, that woman that you're getting ready to, really, she was young, but this, this, little, this little thing you getting ready to marry, like, I got some news for you. It's going to be a blended family. That's hard enough. By the way, um, this baby you're going to raise happens to be the savior of the world, Joe. I'm sorry about that. This happens to be Jesus, by the way. You know, the Messiah, the one everybody's been, you know, been talking about. Yeah, you're going to have to raise him. Because you do know that he was raised by both his father and his mother. You do know that he was a carpenter because his father on earth was a carpenter. And so God saw Joseph and Mary and trusted them with this role. And so Joseph normally, if he had a son, he'd be able to name his son. But God says, you get to raise him, I get to name him. You get to raise him, I get to name him. And here's the thing. Every time you say his name, it's going to mean something. Every time you hear his name, it's going to be in the context of the mission I've given him. Every time you hear his name, it's going to remind you of the miracle. And here's the miracle. Because first of all, Mary and Joseph, this whole Jesus thing was a scandal. It was a problem. You're going to tell me, Mary, you ain't been with nobody and you pregnant? Instagram's blowing up on that. She is hashtagging why you always lying, right? I mean, this, this is going viral. She's lying. This ain't true. And if you remember when she was born, she was born when the people were coming back to the city they were born in for the census, right? So all of her family, I, I shared this before, so I'm going to share it in passing. Uh, I've, I've, when I preached this text before, but this is something that some people didn't know, and I didn't know until a couple years ago, if you really think about it. Everybody, you know when it says, there was no room in the inn, right? Well, the Greek word for inn is really house. So think about this. This is a family reunion. Y'all ain't getting it yet. This is a family reunion. And there's no room in the house. Okay. Y'all can, fill, y'all can fill out the blanks. This ain't her going on, you know, Travelocity looking for, for uh, the Hampton Inn. No. They're in, the, uh, they're in the garage in somebody's barn somewhere because nobody wants to deal with this. Nobody wants to hear this story. Nobody wants to believe this mess. Mary and Joseph is messy. And nobody in the family wants to be caught with that shame. And Jesus is chosen to be born 
in the midst of scandal. God puts his parents in a scandalous situation. He creates this and then says, now I want you to raise the savior of the world. In the midst of scandal, there is a message in the first advent. Because when you read the whole uh, genealogies of Matthew, which I don't recommend unless you need to fall asleep and you want to read that. And then you can read it. If you were to read it, if I had time to preach it, there's some scandal up in there. There's some scandal. Look, there's some scandal in that be- genealogy, genealogy for you Bible students. If you read it, there's some, uh, there's some Bathsheba up in there. It's in there. There's Rahab in there. Uh Uh-huh. There's some scandals because the human experience is scandalous. Our experience is scandalous. And I believe there's a message that says Jesus can arrive in any scandal, in any difficult situation, and purpose and destiny can be lived out because God is attracted to dysfunction and he's attracted to disorder because he brings things together. So don't be ashamed of your scandal. Just maybe you're a candidate for what God is trying to do. I wish that was my sermon, but it's not my sermon. But it's a part of my sermon. Because Jesus' name means he will save. And that means to me that God is intentional about the things that he names. See, I have this new phrase now where I say, people say something, and I say, what does that mean? You say this all the, night, all the time. Because some things don't mean the same things to everybody. Right? Um, there used to be a time when uh, you, would, you would say, well, I, was listening, well, I heard the Flintstones the other day. And uh, the Flintstones was on. And, you know, if you've ever watched the Flintstones, Flintstones, meet the Flintstones. They're a Stone Age family. Anybody old school like that? And then it says, we'll have a gay old time at the end, right? Now, gay didn't mean that in the 50s, but it means something different. So when someone comes to me and says, hey, pastor, you want to have a gay old, gay old time? I have to ask, what does that mean? I just need to check to make sure I'm, just, I'm cool. I just let me check. What did, what did you mean? Okay, we can do that. Um. Things like marriage used to mean something. Things like parent. Let me help my mama out here real quick. Things like child. You are a child. I mean, that's, that's, that's rare. I'm, I'm not trying to put anybody down, but I'm just saying a child that's actually a child is pretty rare these days. If you don't believe me, just go to Walmart on next Black Friday. You'll see. <laughs> Kids drinking coffee. I mean, ordering stuff online. <laughs> anyway, I, I ain't got time for that. There, <laughs> there are some things that God says, I've named this and it has a purpose. It's supposed to mean something. And I'm not attacking those particular things, but... There are things that just don't mean the same thing anymore. And every time Joseph called Jesus' name, it was supposed to mean something. He was supposed to be 
Here's something. That's why you got to be careful what you name stuff. Oh, this is my boo. We just kicking it. This is my girl. This is my bae. Is this your fiance or not? That's what I want to know. I'm not trying to judge anybody. I'm just saying, be careful what you name things and how you and what you respond to. So here's what Jesus does. Jesus name reminds Joseph of this purpose. He reminds Joseph every time Joseph calls his name Jesus. He is speaking into him. And that's why for some of you, I maybe have heard this story. There was a intention why we named our church new movement. Because we know that the last thing this world needs is another church. It needs a movement. And the origin of the Seventh-day Adventist movement was a movement. Before it got institutionalized and structured, it was a movement. It was people who were seeking after God and were believing that Jesus was coming and they would do anything to share the message. And we are a new movement because there's a a world that is desiring people who are attached to something, not just attached to a name or a building. But when you say I go to new movement, that means something. When people see you, they say, that's one of those people from new movement. New movement means something. We are on a move. We are on a mission. We are here to bring hope to the city, to help people who need help, to know that Jesus is coming again, and he's already come for their eternal life. So here's here's some things I thought uh, we're interesting. I just want to share with you that maybe can can really submit this name because when you hear the name Jesus, here's the first one. When Joseph heard his name, he had to be reminded of the miracle. He had to be reminded of the miracle. Remember what I said in the context of of what how Jesus was born. He was born in a scandalous situation. And when Jesus called, when Joseph called Jesus name, he had to be reminded of the miracle that God chose him. Can I just encourage you that God chose you in your brokenness, in your weariness, in your forgetfulness, in your unfaithfulness. You are here in the room or you are watching this because God chose you. He said, I'm looking to build a movement that I'm going to send out into the world. And even though you're broken and even though you're messed up, I'm choosing you to hold and handle the infant Jesus. Because for some of you, Jesus is an infant. That's not a bad thing. What I mean by that is that you just know a little bit about him. You just, he's new to you. He's young to you. And you're in the, in the growing process with Jesus. As you grow, he grows. And some of us have been through some fire. We've been through some mess. We've been through some difficulties. And when we go through those difficulties, we learn more about Jesus. Right? We learn Jesus the healer. We learn Jesus the forget, the fixer. We learn the different sides of God that we wouldn't learn if we hadn't been through a trial. And so we always grow in Jesus, but he remembers the miracle. How many of you remember the miracle of Jesus in your life? Like real talk, how many of you really remember when you were a hot mess? 
No, I was like, Pastor, that was last week. Like, how many of you really remember how bad it was for you? Right? And, and that was the moment where Jesus showed up. Jesus didn't show up when you cleaned up. He entered in the scandal. He came in when you were a mess. And if you can keep that in your mind, it would help you to remember to honor him and to give back to him what, you, what he deserves. And it'll help you to get in the mindset to say, I'm going to do whatever it takes to help others who are feeling the same thing and feeling the same way. The other thing I thought was, was interesting was that when he called Jesus, not only did he rem, what it, it remind him of his miracle, the miracle of his birth, but it reminded him of the meaning of his name, right? When he called him, he called him on purpose. He was saying, God will save, come here. God will deliver, come here. God who will redeem, come here. And it's not just redeem in a general sense, as we read in verse 21. I believe I might have put that up uh, to put up on the screen. That it says, he will save them from their sins. I ain't got nobody on this side. Uh, He will save them from their sins. Which suggests that you got some sins. Suggests that we are sinners, and it suggests that we need Jesus, right, to save us from our sins. Jesus doesn't save us in spite of our sins. He delivers us from them, which means your sins and my sins have us captive and bound, and Jesus comes in like a military captain, and he redeems us and special black ops us out of our mess. So if we have been delivered from it, and we're the only ones holding on to it, we have to be reminded that Jesus has come to save us from our sins, not to manage our sins, not to be at a level where we can comfortably manage our dysfunction. That's what religion does. If you practice this, nobody will really know how jacked up you are. Just get good at coming to church like this and reciting this and dressing like this and you can hide until Jesus comes. But ain't nobody hiding from Jesus except people who don't want to meet him. I'm not hiding. I'm not running. I'm not ashamed. I'm going to say I'm a sinner saved by grace and he's saving me daily and daily and daily. But I wasn't the same as I was last week and I'm getting better and I'm getting better and I'm getting better. Yeah, there's a meaning. He's saving me. I'm in the process of being saved. It's not over with yet, but every time he called him, Hey, healer of the world, come here. Hey, savior, come here. Hey, deliverer, come here. I believe, my my wife and I believed a long time ago when we named, so we named our kids. um, So Eden is not spelled E-D-E-N. Her name is spelled E-D-Y-N-N. And Amaya, we named her uh, Amaya on purpose because there was a Y. And Azariah doesn't have a, a Bruno's name, real name is Azariah. And I didn't name him Terrence Taylor or Junior or anything like that. I thought about it. 
But I said, no, I want, if I name him Terrence Taylor, uh, just straight across, I'm missing something. Each one of their names, the Y's in the girls' names, literally stands for Yahweh. And it means that the Lord will always be in the middle of their life. And, and, and Azariah was a priest in the Bible who stood for God. It, so their names have meaning. And I believe it's important to call people with purpose, to call them with purpose. When we, call, when we talk to our kids, we're calling out their purpose in them. Can I tell you another secret? When we talk to your kids, talking about your babies in here, we are speaking purpose. Some of your babies I've been praying for for years and you didn't even know it. I've been speaking, I've been speaking purpose and, and, and life over these kids in here and they didn't even know it. Didn't even know it because your kids are my kids. And the only thing you can be grateful about is I don't spank my kids. Otherwise, I would have spanked all these kids up in here. I'm just being honest. I would have spanked them all, lined them all up. And I might repent. Can I get a witness in here? I keep my belt lock and loaded on all time. No, I don't. I don't. No, but, but we speak over each other. When we say brother and sister, when we say hello, when we say someone's name, you don't realize when you're coming into church that this may be the only time people are getting affirmed. People are getting loved. People are getting treated. People are being seen. Women are being valued, not for their bodies, but for their intellect. I didn't get nobody to say amen up in here. That you can lead if you're young, if you're poor, if you're broke. It's all equal here. It doesn't matter about your status, how much money you have. It doesn't matter. If God's called you to lead, then you lead. If he's called you to serve, then you serve. I don't care if you are on crack. I don't care if you're in Congress. It don't matter to me. If God has called you, you are called to live your purpose. So every time he called Jesus' name, he was reminded of the miracle. He was reminded of the meaning. That's right. I got to make sure Jesus is protected because he is the Savior. And then I believe Jesus reminded him of his mission, that name. He will save them from their sins. This is a mission. What's interesting is Jesus did not begin his public ministry until he was 30. It took 30 years. Listen to me. It took 30 years to prepare him for three and a half years. For the stress, for the pressure, for the mission, it took him 30 years to prepare. Like for real, for real. That's why God says, at the right time. Can I just encourage you that it just may not be the right time? Or the time is now. You don't have much time left. Jesus had three and a half years. We don't always know how much time we got left. It might be the time now. So the mission that Jesus was on, every time he heard his name, 
Joseph was, I got I to gotta make sure he's ready for the mission. And what's interesting about Joseph is we don't really hear much about Joseph anymore. Joseph kind of falls off the scene. We don't, we, we believe he dies. We know that he has brothers and sisters. Jesus has brothers and sisters, but Joseph's not really around when Jesus is doing his ministry. So Joseph may not have ever seen what Jesus did. I may not ever see what Jesus did. There were people in this church that labored and gave and sacrificed for us to be where we are. And they didn't see what new movement would become. But they stuck to their purpose. And I believe that our name as a church has purpose. That we may not even realize how powerful and how strong. And every single thing we do, it is building a legacy for when Jesus comes. And if we don't make it before he comes. But when he comes again for the second time. And he looks at it as he says, man, remember when you came and you volunteered? I want you to meet 15 people that came because of your sacrifice. When you get to heaven, we say, look at all these people that you affected. Look at all these people that you helped. Look at all these people that you saved. So here's what I want to close with. Jesus came at the right time. The right time in earth's history when God knew it was right he brought Jesus. He brought Jesus into the earth to fulfill his covenant of the first advent. And if Jesus can come to the earth, if God can bring Jesus into the human experience to live for us, to die for us, to be resurrected, to now be in the priestly role for us, if he can do that, there is nothing he can't do for you. If he can coordinate all of that, there is nothing he cannot do for you in your life. The song we sang says, Jesus makes the darkness tremble. I want you to think about it this week. When you call the name Jesus, when you say the name Jesus, you are saying that God has fulfilled a promise to humanity. And God has fulfilled a promise to me. And when you say his name, it means that he is committed to our salvation. He is committed to us being with him for eternal, for all, for all eternal time. That Jesus means something when you say his name. When you call his name, you are calling on the authority of heaven. You are accessing the promise of God. When you say Jesus, you are saying something. It means something. It doesn't mean nothing. It means something. You are giving God permission to move. You are giving God permission to have access. You are giving God permission for his will to be done in your life. When you access his name. Hear people cuss and they say, cuss and say the name of Jesus. I used to be mad about it. Now I don't get mad anymore. Because I just say, you, do you know what you just did? You just called on the name of Jesus. You might have been cussing. But now you've revealed what Jesus can save you from. <laughs> you done messed up. I'm telling you, sometimes... People will be like, Pastor, pray for me. And I'll be like, you sure about that? 
Because I'll pray that God will remove that addiction. I'll pray that God will restore your life. I pray that God will move. And sometimes when God moves in order to change you, it's not always a good thing. Sometimes it's bad news. Sometimes it's a loss of a job. Sometimes it's a loss of a business. Sometimes it's a health crisis. Sometimes it's a condition that you're in. And God says, I'm going to save you. And I'm going to use whatever I can to get you to be saved. Because I love you. And I want to pray for someone today that needs to know that Jesus' name is alive. It means something. When you call on the name of Jesus... You are saying that, God, I'm inviting you in to the purpose that you have for my life. And some of you just need to make a decision to say, Jesus, I want to receive you in my life. I want you to be in charge. I want you to be the one that takes control because I need to be rescued from my sins. The way that I'm doing it does not work. And I'm at jeopardy. I'm at risk for not living to what you want for me some of you you've made that decision but you haven't made it public you haven't started serving you haven't started walking in that and some of you need to be decided I'm not going into the new year like this I'm going to make my stand to be baptized I'm going to make it public I'm going to join this movement I'm going to do something this coming year I'm going to give you all I have and I'm not ashamed to let the world know about it some of you just need to get invitational you've been keeping God to yourself You share everything else on Facebook and Instagram. And nobody knows you're a believer. Nobody knows that you got power. Nobody knows you are the answer to their problem. Because you're keeping it to yourself. And God's like, I need you to be invitational. I need you to invite people into your space. Into your life. Because when when you invite them to you, they will follow you where you go. And all you got to do is keep on doing what you've been doing and show up to church. And eventually they might come, but they're not coming for me. They're coming for you. They're coming with you. Some of you need to, some of us need to get involved next year. We're trying to do some big things. We're trying to do some big things. And look, I'm not just talking about getting involved here, but maybe there's an organization in the community you need to get involved with. Maybe there's someone in your life that needs some help. We got to make a decision to say, I want to get involved. I want to join a team. I want to make sure that everything's on point because I don't want pastor doing everything. I don't want this person doing everything. They need a break. Somebody else needs a chance. Let me do that. I'll take care of that for you. I'll carry this out for you. Just put me on a team and put me to work. Finally, some of you, you've already been making this decision, but maybe you need to make another one to say, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to start giving, even if it's $10 a week, I'm going to start with that. If I drink uh, a caramel macchiato or not a macchiato that's a drink right no that's coffee oh a mojito is a drink that's right mojito caramel mojito isn't that a drink what's a mojito that's a drink okay somebody's like yeah pastor that's a drink that's right I'm going to get me one tomorrow I'll get you one <laughs> drinks are expensive at the club that's why I stopped going to the club I ain't gonna lie, twenty dollars to get in. <laughs> okay, <laughs> can I finish? <laughs> can I 
in the finish survey. <laughs> just, just, you know, five bucks, ten bucks. That's like one drink at Starbucks now, right? Just say, I'm, all right, this, this t- Tuesday is my church new movement Starbucks day. I'm going to put this $10 aside, and you'll be surprised what God will do. We've seen it over the years, I'm telling you. We have prayed for money to come in, and you know what God does? This is the God honest truth. When we've needed money, because look, the reality is, I'm going to give a report in a couple weeks, but the reality is, we have a small portion of people that give. It's, it's always like that in the church. We've been getting better. I'm going to give you full disclosure of that. But you know what in the past has happened when we needed money? God started promoting people. I'm not even lying to you. God started pouring money out on people that gave. I'm dead serious. And here's what I always say. I don't know who gives. I honestly have never looked at the records. I don't know, like, this person's a giver. I really have never checked that. You can ask the treasurer. She's back there. She'll tell you. I don't know y'all business. But I do know people have come to me and say, Pastor, I just got a raise. Pastor, I just got a bonus. I just got this and that. And people started getting elevated. I'm just telling you generosity God has a way of rewarding it because he's looking for people because he's generous we're going to be a generous church with our time so I preached my message I started talking about mojitos and got lost but y'all are family and you go to this church and I'm just going to pray for you because you know what to do you can fill it out online you can let somebody know but there's a decision that you need to make. And I want to pray a prayer celebration today for the decisions uh, that were made today and that are being made. Lord, thank you for the 